As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. We've removed all bamboo poles from the studio just in case. It's Sif Your voice is actually getting deeper now. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. That's all those uh, all those immunities that I didn't get when I was hanging out at the airport uh, affecting yeah. my voice. Yeah. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or possibly Sunday, or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. <clears throat> I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy. Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else in the pop culture universe is on our minds. And joining us as our guru today, it's Sincast Month on Sif Pop. We've got Barrett Scher from CinemaSins and the Sincast. Hello. You know, actually, I should say from Music Video Sins, because that's yes. your baby, right, Barrett? Uh, it is. Uh, I'm kind of I got fingers involved in Sincast, CinemaSins, and Music Video Sins. Um, yeah, it's been been up and running for about three years now. Very cool. So how, tell us a little bit about how, since you're a brand new guru on Sif Pop, this is your first time, um, let's hear a little bit just kind of about how you got interested in movies, how you got hooked up with the CinemaSins guys, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I have a kind of a non-traditional career path. I, I spent about 10 years uh, in uh, pharmaceutical research and academics and ended up, uh, because I knew, I've known Chris for, for ages and Jeremy too, and been close friends with them when they launched CinemaSins. Uh, I I was the the biggest fan and the biggest cheerleader and uh, kept in touch with those guys even though I lived in uh, Chicago and uh, ended up started you know writing some things together for music video sends and then ended up uh, do, making it more formal and uh, love those guys they're geniuses they're hilarious and they're fun to work with. Very cool. Um, so you were in Chicago then, doing the medicine stuff. Mm -hmm. So what, what's what's yep. a, what's like a pharmaceutical? Like what kind of did that entail? 
So I studied uh, psychiatric disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, and depression, uh, suicide, things like that. And we were developing treatments for it. So we would start with like cellular treatments and then go all the way up to clinical trials. Wow. We should have had you on to talk about yeah. Split. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to see it? Uh, I am headed to see it this afternoon, I think. Whoa. Oh, that's amazing. Um, cool. Well, enjoy yeah. yourself. I won't give anything away. Uh, enjoy yourself. <clears throat> that's right. That's a command. That is not a suggestion. Treat yourself. Very cool. Well, Barrett, it is an absolute blast to have you on the show. Uh, like I said, it's kind of been Syncast month here. Uh, it's been a few since Jeremy's been on, but we had Chris on last week. And we're going to talk Kong. We're going to talk best ever challenge for monkey movies. Any movie that features a simian of some sort, an ape, a chimpanzee, a monkey, whatever. But not a gibbon. But, well, you know what? If you've got some, if, you know, if it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, you just, you just go with it. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot, I cannot say that that won't be the last uh, monkey related pun of the uh, afternoon, but we'll, uh, we'll knowing, see how it goes. Knowing you, I would know you will not disappoint on that. Front, no, I'm so. sure it'll be fine. Uh, before we get to any of that, though, I do want to hand it over to Andrew for a little bit of Do We Care? Every single week I scour the internets to find out what's going on in the entertainment world. And I choose three topics that we all decide if we care about or not. Number one, Disney is re-rebooting the Tron franchise, and they're looking at Jared Leto to possibly be the new leading man. Do we care? Barrett, do you care? No. (laughs) Me neither. No. Stop it. Get some new (laughs) ideas. It's Tron. You've already done the whole legacy thing with... Jeff Bridges acting like the dude in a video game, but just just move on. Yeah, this one especially, it's like, uh, it reminds me a lot of, although the Spider-Man thing was even closer together, you know, where they re-rebooted Spider-Man, but it's been, I mean, it just, they just did this with that, so yeah. it's like, you know, and I actually enjoyed that Tron movie, I thought it was, you know, fair enough. Yeah, but my personal favorite scored soundtrack of any movie. It's a beautiful soundtrack. Daft Punk? Um... But yeah. I ha- but I have to say, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I really care too much about this. I I, I mean I'll watch it because that's what I do, yep. and I'll make my decision <laughs> then. But I'm you know I'm not that interested. Actually, this is the first do we care that I picked something that I didn't even care about, but I figured we had to talk about it. Number two, Travis Knight, CEO of Leica Pictures and the director of Kubo and the Two Strings, Ooh. will direct a Transformers spinoff movie about Bumblebee. Whoa! Yeah, so many things affecting my emotions right now. Yeah, um, this is I, gonna be the first uh, Transformers movie not directed by Michael Bay. So, if he is responsible, oh. <laughs> shucks. <laughs> well, I'm all of a sudden in in firm caring territory. Then, if we can actually get a Transformers movie uh, that might actually be good, uh, I would yeah. love it. So that that'd be fun. Now, Bumblebee. See, here's here was the roller coaster you just put me on. All right. <laughs> Director from Kubo and the Two Strings is doing another movie. And CEO of Leica Pictures. Elation. Just elation. I love Kubo. Can't wait to see what he does. It's Transformers. Oh, man. Why's it got to be Transformers? Uh, and and then you were like, it's Bumblebee. And then I was like, I don't even think that's the right way to go with the spinoff for Transformers. So Should have done Soundwave. Or Dinobots or something. I mean, you know. Dinobots. <laughs> Gobots. Yeah. I don't know, but um, I, listen, I loved Kubo and the Two Strings, so, you know, it, he's obviously got talent, but I don't know how much of that 
he was solely responsible for as the director either. So I have a feeling you care. I, yeah, that's all that to say I do actually care. Barrett? That was his first movie, wasn't it, uh, Kubo? Uh, first his directorial debut, but he's owned Like a Pictures, who's done like uh, Coraline. He's done all the uh, stop motion, claymation. That's his company. He It was just the directorial debut was Kubo. That's weird that his yeah. he directed his first for his own company yeah. that many pictures in. That's kind of an interesting story. I'd love to hear the background on that. But Yeah. You know, do we need another Transformers movie? Honestly, <laughs> even if it's we haven't you even, know we done haven't correctly. Last nine, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, no, but I kind of want a good one. You know what I mean? Like, I love Transformers. At this point, do you feel like you're owed something? Yeah, <laughs> I was promised Transformers movies, and I got something completely different. I said right from the beginning. With there's so many things wrong with those movies in style, in substance, in racism, in, yeah, in racism. And all those things. But really, they didn't even get the idea of what a Transformer is right. Because those things are just like a robot and then like a blob of spiky metal and then a car. And like they don't even actually feel like they transform. They just kind of morph. Like it's just that was one of the most frustrating things about those movies. I want somebody to actually do a Transformers movie where you can tell, oh, that's where the arm went and that's where the legs went and. I mean, you can do that stuff. I just, I don't know. Anyways, that's my little rant. All right. Number three, I got to put on my radio voice for this one. Okay? Oh, you have one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to attempt a radio voice. All right, so. do it, man. Are you between 18 and 25? So far, so good. Can you sing and dance? Absolutely. Can you portray someone of Middle Eastern descent? Sure thing. If you answered yes to all three, then listen up. Disney is doing open casting for two lead roles in the live-action version of Aladdin. Oh, no. Yeah. Open casting, Open casting for both uh, Aladdin and uh, Jasmine, I guess. Wow. Well, that could be interesting. Yeah, I thought it was new because this is what they did with uh, Moana, and that's how they got a uh, Ali E uh, something whatever. <laughs> it was an, Carvalho, not, yeah, yeah Carvalho. something whatever that classic Samoan surname. Yeah, something whatever. <laughs> something yeah, exactly. whatever. Uh, she was amazing, by the way, at the Oscars. I don't know if we talked about that on the Oscar when we talked about the Oscars. She was but not phased when that flag hit her in the face. No, she was killing it. Yeah, I look. Disney's remaking stuff. Like, it's just, yeah, they are. I mean, it seems like every other news story coming out of the pop culture world, world is about a Disney remake. I mean, I think a we live talked action about, remake. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about the, the James Earl Jones casting as Mufasa recently and just all this stuff. And it's just becoming noise at this point. Isn't next week Beauty and the Beast for us? Yes. We'll be chatting Beauty well, and the Beast for next everybody, week. but mm-hmm. yeah, but. I know this has a soft spot in your heart, Barrett, these Disney live-action remakes over there at the Sincast. You guys, every time they come up, you speak so lovingly about them. No pun intended, honestly, on this, but the genie's out of the bottle for this, right? They're just going to remake every single Disney property that they have with a live-action cast, right? Yeah. That's the idea. And that's depressing to me. Yeah. So, I mean, that's first of all, yes, they're going to break in money, uh, but... Uh, are we going to get any, you know, qualitative entertainment out of it that we couldn't have gotten from, you know, watching the original Beauty and the Beast, where this looks like it's essentially the exact same thing? So, no, not a fan. No, we're even getting another live-action sort of remake of the Jungle Book next year. So, another Jungle Book. Well, uh, Andy Circuses, right? But that's not, not Disney. that's not Disney though. And that this and this that actually leads well into the question I wanted to ask both of you. 
which is would you rather they revisit these properties with a fresh idea or do these retellings of the same stories like is or is it all together just go to a different you know go to a whole new world so to speak yeah. you know <laughs> and uh, and do something different what do you think I would say a whole new world for sure. I mean, they, there's so much more that you can explore. I sound like I'm singing a song from Aladdin, <laughs> but like the, it, you know, the the reason that those things, I wish I just want to shake an executive by the you know the shoulders and tell them the re, the reason that the originals were so popular was that singularity, that surprise, that uh, not shock value, but that initial just overwhelming pleasantry of a new story being told well. I'm thinking specifically about Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast. And yes, you can do that with brand new ideas. There's a million of them out there. You just have to look for them. The only problem is that whenever you start shaking that executive, the billions of dollars that he has pocketed because of all these live-action remakes is going to shake loose out of his (laughs) suit. And that's really all he cares about, so... Uh, that's a very valid point. They're making money hand over fist. I mean, it's uh, they have no incentive to stop doing this. Disney has more money mm. than some countries, so keep that in mind. And there will be, at some point, there will be a turn, um, and that's just kind of the way things go. But yeah, for the time being, this is kind of the route they're going. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I guess if I felt like their original material was suffering... Uh, I would be more on board with just kind of stop doing this. But they're also making great original stuff, too, uh, year after year. I mean, they are on a hot streak with their new IP as well. Uh, So it's not like they're not doing that. They're just also doing this. How many movies a year does Disney put out? Oh, my goodness. I with You mean just like Disney animation? No, Disney, like Marvel animated like they got to put out like seven or eight movies a year right well they've got star wars marvel and and uh disney animation and i'll I'll even let you count pixar too and pixar yeah well i mean that counts that's disney so i i'm guessing at least one a week right like wouldn't you guess there's at least 50 (laughs) disney movies that come out every year am i wrong on that am i exaggerating i mean somebody (laughs) certainly has done this math because I think uh, I think last year Disney had like the seven of the top ten highest grossing movies or something like that. It may even Good be night. higher than that. I think it, I, it's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. All right. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care? All right. Let's talk about Kong Skull Island. These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. I see use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Scientific instruments. I see trouble on the way. Is that a monkey? Kong Skull Island is our latest visit to the uh, mysterious island where King Kong resides as a team of explorers venture deep into the treacherous primordial island where he is king uh, and he isn't the only mystery lurking there. We like to start off with a like it, love it, it was okay, dislike it, or hate it. And uh, just briefly, what did you think? Andrew, we'll start with you. Movie's super fun with things wrong with it. I'm going to land on a firm Liked it. Firm liked it. Barrett, what do you got? I hate to to be the hater, but I hated this movie. Whoa! 
love it. Oh, cool. This is going to be fun because I am, I am ever so slightly in the loved it category. What? Yes. What? Um, so I'm the middleman here. I said it was fun, but there's some things wrong with this movie. So you love this movie. Well, okay. Let's be careful. I said just a little, like, it is just slightly past you know, uh, liked it too, loved it. So just sneaks you, in there. What'd you give this movie then? I give it an A minus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had an absolute blast at Kong Skull Island. I had such a good time. Ooh, now, okay. okay, maybe, maybe I start here and just say, you know how you have movie experiences that will shade, you know, how you feel about something. Okay. It is the first movie in a while that I made the trek to see in IMAX laser. And uh, it oh, was, yeah mind-blowing uh it was absolutely gorgeous now i think that translates no matter what screen you saw it on that was probably my favorite thing about the movie was, was you the want visuals. to start there talking about how beautiful this movie is yeah sure go ahead uh i and not only not only did i love the effects in this movie like i thought kong looked great i thought the monsters looked great i mean the shots were beautiful and that's where i was going but not only that design but the framing on some of these shots were as cinematic as I've ever seen in a monster movie. Like it was some of that uh, scale stuff was breathtaking. And, you know, especially when Kong's what, 20 times as big as he's ever been, you know, he's basically the size of a skyscraper now. Well, he has to be big in, in, in case people don't know this, this King Kong in a few years is going to fight the Godzilla from 2014. So he has to be, Bigger than like the Peter Jackson one, or else he just right. gets stepped on. So basically, this King Kong would be the skyscraper that the old King Kong climbed with the you yeah, know with exactly. Fay Ray in his hands. Yeah. Um. So I thought the visuals were absolutely amazing. Did you at least like how it looked, Barrett? I loved how Kong looked. Um, the other bits. Um, I, I see what you're saying, especially with the the scale where they would come up to like you know the the size of its toe, uh, things like that. Um, I I hear a lot of allusions to Apocalypse Now in this movie, at least the way that it's um, it's shot on the island. Yeah, for sure. Um, that gets lost on me. Uh, it is it, there are some things that are that are beautiful, and there are some things that are slow motion, just beast porn. Uh, can I say that? Yeah, sure. It, <laughs> Uh, creature, creature porn. No, that's worse. Uh, I think you're. I think you're uh, messing up on the wrong word there. <laughs> oh, 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 it's the porn. That's right. Sorry. I understand why they did it, but uh, you know, the the look of this movie is the the last thing on my mind when I'm watching this. Um, you mentioned Apocalypse Now. Just so I, there's a witness here, I actually did write down Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I mean, it obviously it takes place in the same era. You know, it's the, the 70s. It's Vietnam era. These are Vietnam soldiers. So. Well, that, that's not what I was talking about with the whole thing. I mean, the way that this director, uh, Jordanville Roberts, the way he worked with like colors like red and mm-hmm. orange, yeah, they yeah. really emphasized those. That's where I got my Even Apocalypse the soundtrack now. with the Credence and and, oh you yeah, know, that exactly. kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's they have they have Sam Jackson. I'm sorry, <laughs> they have they, they play "Run to the Jungle," "Run Through the Jungle," while they're running through the jungle. <laughs> it's a little on the oh nose. God, sorry, Sam Jackson loves the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, exactly. it smells like victory. Uh, yeah, but uh, so. I mean, just the way I think that I got really strong. Apocalypse Now vibes from this, just like the coloring is especially where I got like you know that 
the highlighting of like the reds and the orange like really emphasize like the heat of the jungle and stuff like that so i, I gotta tell you that, that really didn't linger in my brain much at all the, like just the apocalypse now stuff I, I, mm. I kind of observed it but i was so caught up in the monster stuff in this movie um the human stuff in this movie is where it fails and maybe we'll talk about that mm-hmm. you know l- later on yeah. but it almost didn't even matter to me because i felt like the movie had such a good grasp on what kind of movie it was and it gave me exactly what i would want from a monster movie with kong and so much of it like it was just monster moment after monster moment after monster moment and i just i i ate it up like and i think there's part of with a movie like this if you're clicked into its frequency, you're going to have a blast. If you're not clicked into its frequency, it's going to be the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Like, that's that's how I would, you know, yeah. I would assume at least. Yeah. Uh, Bear, did you like anything about the movie? You hated it, so did, were there any redeeming qualities? Yeah, so the the animation was great, especially on Kong. Tony Kebble, uh, Tony Kebble I should pronounce his name right, mm-hmm. uh, was was great in like both him. roles, as Kong and as uh, as one of the soldiers. And, I mean, not to be pejorative, but the fact that it was right at two hours <laughs> was a big plus for me. <laughs> Con- considering, uh, you know, the last Kong was over three and just so overwrought, um, even though there's great parts to it. Um, you know, the, uh, it was nice to see some brevity, uh, relative brevity uh, to it. Did you feel like the, so the, the length was two hours, <clears throat> Did you feel like just as a matter of editing and story wise, do you feel like it was um, pretty tightly told like or did you feel like there were some some looseness in it? Well, you mentioned the the human characters being, you know, probably the, the least compelling part of this movie. Uh, they could be cardboard cutouts for all they're given to do in this thing. And so I wasn't invested in, at all. Yes. You know, to see. Uh, Kong taking on the the monsters and stuff like that is cool, but that's just personally not enough to hold my interest. I mean, from the human perspective of this, which takes a long time to set up, it's essentially like a dumber version of The Rock, which is a little uh, kind of hard to do. I mean, it's all these <laughs> slow motion, you know, shots of you know war and warriors going into this whole thing and aggravating this beast for no reason and dropping bombs on this. That that stuff just it kind of checked me out before the movie really you know got going. So yeah, that that was the main thing that uh, that took me out of it. I, I love that you said "dumber than the rock" because that's a, "dumber than a rock" is actually a phrase. So that that actually made yes. that made me light up inside. That was really fun. <laughs> I had two more pros before sure, I'll, I'll lay them out there. My con. So I liked this version of King Kong. In most adaptations of Kong, we see him as like this misunderstood creature who really has a heart. In this one, he's a force of nature, and he will wreck you if you so much as look at him wrong. I mean, he's a protector of this island who suffers no fools, and I like that because every single other King Kong's like, oh, we just don't get him. He's he's really nice guy. Not this King Kong. He's brutal. But he still had that tender part. I think this, this as much as the movie gets the human characters wrong, I think it gets King Kong right in that you still feel like there's something going on there and he may be the most human character in the movie like you feel like there's there's you know some depth there of he's doing something with purpose right the movie even though he is violent he is def- he knows his role and he understands you know tenderness and there's some 
There's some moments I want to talk about specifically. We'll save that for the spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really loved the Kong character in this. And I, I think if you get the Kong character right, I think you can get a lot else wrong and still, you know, still have a good time. So, um, My last pro is out of every single incarnation of this place, this version of Skull Island is the most terrifying. And I loved it. I mean... Every two feet, some hell spawn from your worst nightmares is waiting for you. Yeah. And they simply just, they don't, every single, there's been a bunch of King Kong movies and like the creatures on the island. They didn't just rehash creatures that we've seen in like the Peter Jackson one or the 1933 one. They came up with new things in this one for the humans to fight and not only the humans, but also for Kong to fight. I thought that that. You know, it took a little bit of, you know, imagination, but they pulled it off on that front. That was in my notes as well. I love the imagination of this movie. And that's when I say there's moment after moment after moment, that's part of it. You know, we just got through talking about fresh ideas, come up with new ideas. Uh, And obviously King Kong is not a new idea. It has been done many times before. But within this movie, uh, I felt like they had a like a lot of moments where it was like, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. And I love that, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially in this kind of context. So I, yeah, I had a, I had a blast going through that stuff. The other thing I want to talk about, maybe we'll use this to transition into negatives if we're ready. Okay. Uh, is this giant cast of amazing people like beyond this movie? This is an amazing cast, right? I mean, you've got Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, John Goodman, John C. Riley. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, you mentioned uh, Toby Kebbell. Yeah. Um, who I really like, by the way. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, his work. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was in a, a Black Mirror episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Wasn't he in the, the one where you can record your life, the history of you? Yeah. I think he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. He does He does good stuff. Um, and then many others who like I don't, I don't see in front of me, but I mean, what a cast. Yeah. So do you feel like any of them lived up to their reputation, did some good work, despite how thin everybody's character was. We can all agree that's true, right? They're all thin characters, but did anybody give a a good performance? Here's my two cents on that, okay? Okay. While Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, and Sam Jackson may play superheroes in Marvel movies, their superhuman abilities shouldn't come with them into other movies. (laughs) I wish that aspect of the film was more grounded in reality. I wanted them to be real people who couldn't pull off 80s Schwarzenegger or Stallone moves to get them out of trouble. I don't know that I could disagree more. I I I just oh. love that ass because that's it's a Fast and the Furious thing, right? Like where it's like that's the movie they want to be. But where... that's not the universe that this takes place in. Okay, look at 2014 Godzilla. Those were actually human beings with no special abilities. You can right. kind of make an, an argument for Aaron Taylor Johnson and some of the stuff he pulls off, but for the main part. Those are just humans. Mm-hmm. These people are superhumans, and the stuff they pull off in some of these scenes to get out of trouble is like, no, you can't do that. Maybe so. we can talk more specifically in spoilers because I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. I will say, okay. overall, they all should have died like immediately. <laughs> like the, exactly the yeah. crashes they were in, those kind of things. It's oh, like, this has more survivable cl- uh, helicopter crashes than suicide squad yeah exactly <laughs> right. um what did you think about the cast barrett i mean what, <laughs> yes you're right this this is a, a team of great actors it's interesting and i was talking to chris about this i think it's the first time that john goodman and samuel l jackson have had a scene together 
which is amazing thinking about how many movie credits those two have. Yeah. Them, you know, uh, but this is one thing that I, I tweeted almost immediately is that it's almost like Samuel L. Jackson threw out the script and just wrote his own dialogue. Uh, considering all of the, the, the cliche Samuel L. Jackson stuff that he says, the hold on to your butts and yeah, we'll show he took that Kong from Man Jurassic is Park. King. Yeah, exactly. And the whole uh, please thing that, uh, that he says to Brie Larson later on. I mm-hmm. mean, it, he is he is a parody of himself in this movie, and it's just it, I, I hate to be so negative about this movie because it because it is terrible, uh, but uh, it, it's just such a waste of potential. <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody? I'm going to throw out a name here of the one person in the cast I actually thought delivered uh, a decent performance, uh, and I, I would love some feedback. But if not if not him, then I'd love to hear who you thought gave the best performance on the human side of things. For me, it was John C. Riley. I thought his absolutely. I thought his yeah. performance had, was grounded in a heart that I didn't see in many of the other characters, and I thought he pulled it off really well. He did, but uh, that actually leads into another con. I do agree that out of everybody, his performance was the best. But I did find the humor in this movie very unnatural. For example, with John C. Riley's character. Uh, well, for the most part, I did like him. I found that his dialogue at times was definitely out there. Like they were trying to make this movie less serious by saying, "John, uh, why don't you just uh, ad lib this part right here? Or you can just say whatever you think." That you would know make that, it more. You funny. know that happened, or you're guessing that. I'm happened. guessing. Okay. Just the way that there's a scene where he just starts saying stuff like that serves no purpose other than the fact that they're just trying to make this funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like his actual like deliverance of those lines and stuff, not the actual dialogue itself. I thought he did a good job on. What about you, Barrett? Yeah, he's easily the best character in the movie for me, besides Kong. Um, he's I, I liked those little vignettes. I mean, there's that part in the trailer that's showing about like him calling them the skull crushers and uh or skull walkers, is crawlers. that what they're called? Skull crawlers. Skull crawlers. Yeah. Um where where and then suddenly Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson turn into like this mumbling, you know, mess of like in, in an improv class or something like that. Uh, but no, I thought I thought it was funny. I, I like the the part where he's like, "Yeah, did we win the the war?" And they're like, "Oh, which one?" And uh, he's like, "What? Well, the Russians were our friends." You know? <laughs> stuff. But uh, he, yeah, he was he was very good. I mean, I love anything that that he does. I mean, he he really it would be very rare for him to turn in a bad performance. Yeah. I, I think overall, uh, his was the best, and I think also overall. Uh, which isn't a surprise considering our views of the movie. I, I thought the others probably were better than you guys uh, thought they were. I enjoyed Samuel Jackson. I thought they set him up nicely to be just the guy who wants to be at war and always wants to be killing something. And, um, you know, I, I, I liked his little crew. I thought I knew enough about them to know that, you know, like I liked them and I wanted to spend time with them, even though if I, I didn't really understand who they were because it was so thin. Um, so I, I had a good time with these characters. I just don't know that their, you know, that their purpose was well, uh, well rounded enough for me to really invest in them emotionally. But then again, like I just, I didn't need to. Like, and in, and in fact, here's a thought. In fact, that may be to the movie's benefit that I'm not investing in them emotionally because it's taking a tone of humor and kind of uh, B moviness, you know, through this whole thing. And if I care deeply about these people, it totally changes that tone when some of them die. You know, so yeah. these people in many ways are set up to be Kong fodder. 
you know? So that's, <laughs> I think that's kind of part of the, part of the D. Yeah. So those two words have never been uttered back to back before. So congratulations, Aaron. Uh, if I had a main con or a king con, if you would, oh, um, it would probably be that, uh, that the movie is just stupid. It's just really dumb. There's not a lot of thinking going on in this movie. Um, and thankfully, I didn't need to think too much. So, so it didn't bother me too much. I, th- I thought the movie jumped around way too much. Like, the movie just wanted to show me as many cool creatures that... Yes, it unfortunately... and thank you, right? Like, that's no. what I wanted. I mean, it showed, like, hey, look at this thing. Oh, look at that thing. What the heck is this thing? There were so many unnecessary moments of creatures. <laughs> oh, I loved they, each and every one of them. Uh, they were cool, but I just wish that some of them served a purpose. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. It's so funny because I think if I watch this movie on a different day, I may be sitting in exactly Barrett's chair. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I it's just amazing how much psychology and attitude have to do with something, but I just had a blast. Now, I, I do want people to know I did list off a bunch of cons about this movie. Yes, the movie has problems. It's fun, though. There's a difference between a good movie and a fun movie. Mm-hmm. This is a fun movie, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, Barrett, Barrett, you probably wouldn't even say it's fun. Did you have fun? No. Yeah. yeah. No. Aw, dang. I mean, I, I, I mean, conceptually, I was, I was, you know, in a theater and seeing a movie with, like, motion pictures with my friends and everything. But, you know, the, the movie itself, when a movie is that aggressively stupid... Like, it, it just offends me. And, yes, I was able to distract with the big monster fights and everything like that. And and those were cool. Um, that's something that I could get in, like, a YouTube clip or something like that. Um, but when you have I, – I could give this as a, a an example and stop me if this is going into spoiler territories. But there's a part in this movie where uh, – a in a in a battle against these monsters, some toxic gas is released. Mm-hmm. Sure, and the the Tom Hiddleston character goes through this whole action sequence where he puts on a gas mask and he does this weird samurai thing to these flying birds who I don't think were really aggressors at all. But uh, he goes through slicing these things up, and then immediately after the poison gas is completely gone. He just (laughs) takes off the gas mask. Nobody else is affected. It's that kind of movie where it's like, here's the setup for this action shot, and completely out of context, this is something that he's never done, nor will he do later on. Uh, Here's him doing some bad stuff, or cool stuff, and... Look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's what. So I, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. In the in the gases, you know, a beautiful purple color or whatever it was, and of yeah. course the birds have this, you know, fluorescent blue, you know, blood and that sprays. And yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of this movie serves the visuals. I think it was a scene straight out of Three Hundred, but that scene in particular is one of the scenes I'm talking about with like these superhuman abilities. Like he's just running through like. One fluid yeah. motion taking out all these birds and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, no, he's not. Well, we were set up to believe he could do that, though. We were set up to believe like he was the guy. I'm not, nor have I ever been in the military, but I do know for a fact SAS does not take you through samurai training. <laughs> so <laughs> that was on his own personal time. Oh, okay. That's, that's when he did that. Okay. Uh, the other the other thing that goes along with that, and this maybe I'll just make this my one last thing, and, we, and if you guys have one too, we can kind of yeah. move on. Um, my one last thing is uh, the other thing that bothered me on that realm was Brie Larson's character. 
uh, has like served no purpose to be there. Like how like how did she get on that ship? She was pretty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, and that's really <laughs> that's really sad to me because you're right. It feels like her only purpose was to go around wearing a tank top. Like it feels like that's why she was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know that's that's a little frustrating to me because she's such a great actress. Yeah, you know. My one last thing. Post credit scene was amazing. I loved it. Did you? Oh, I thought it, made, it was ridiculous. Made me so happy. <laughs> made me so happy. Barrett, do you have one last thing? Yeah, I mean, this is you know an entry into this shared universe that actually seems pretty intriguing. Uh, I would think uh, hopefully they'll put a little bit more thought into uh, the the next installments. I mean, I'm I was uh, you know kind of a fan of the Godzilla. I think that's generally the consensus. People don't hate it, but they don't love it. They're just like, oh, that's not bad. Uh, and uh, hopefully they kind of get the best parts of both of these combined moving forward. Yeah. That's a great thought because Godzilla did succeed on the human level in a lot of ways, and this didn't, but didn't succeed to me in a lot of the big monster levels. Uh, it seemed like mm. Godzilla hardly did anything in that movie. I wrote, um, I wrote a paper on why Godzilla is secretly an amazing film. <laughs> it's I, I really enjoyed it, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of the stuff I loved about Kong Skull Island. So you, that's a great point, Barrett, to finish on, is the idea that if they can figure out how to marry those two, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a beautiful, monstrous wedding. Yeah. So I, I, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, I don't want to spend the rest of this entire podcast about me ranting on why Godzilla is actually a perfect movie. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I would recommend it. A turn your brain off movie. Go have fun. Yeah, I think there's the uh, again. I I obviously loved it. So if you can find the right you know the right mood to be in to see it, I think you can have a good time. And but. Barrett is gonna burn it in effigy. Before we get on to our best ever challenge for this episode, huge thank you to the supporters who make this uh, podcast and the network it's on possible. The podcast network that Sif Pop uh, is on is called Studio DNA, and it is supported through Patreon. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter, $3 a month comes and helps us offset the cost of the equipment, um, the, the live streaming, all that kind of stuff. And you also, at $3 a month and above, get your own dedicated podcast feed with bonus episodes. For instance, we have a pre-episode to every episode that's live in that feed. Uh, For instance, uh, we talked about travel nightmare stories in our exclusive pre-show for this episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, that will automatically show up in your podcast feed as well, as well as all the other podcast content from the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Honestly, it's humbling even to know that somebody's putting a couple bucks every month our way. Uh, that means the world to us. So thank you for doing that. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, in this section before we move on. There's a movement over the month of March uh, that we want to talk about called uh, Tripod, which all the podcasts are doing and talking about. Basically, it's a concerted effort on the part of podcasts for you to tell a friend about podcasting in general. Somebody who you know would love some of the podcasts you listen to. could be this one, could be another one. But to not only tell them about podcasting and why you like it, but maybe show them how to download a podcast on their phone. Uh, show them one that you like, that you, in, you know, enjoy. Um, and you know, really walk people through. Just kind of a concerted tell-a-friend effort that you'll hear on a lot of your favorite podcasts over the course of March. Uh, if you do, 
You can use hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D, and you'll see others there uh, helping people out to find great podcasting content. So I wanted to let you know about that as Tri- well. Tripod, that's clever. Yeah, because it's also a thing. Yeah. Did you come up with that one? No. You can't take credit on that one? No, I believe that was NPR that came up with that. I think they're kind of, uh, you know, heading this, but I know okay. the ESPN's involved. And like, you know, everybody who's, who's doing podcasts is talking about it over the month of March. Oh, cool. So. I like it. All right, moving on to our best ever challenge. We're going to talk about the best monkey movies ever. Now, when we say monkeys, we're talking not only about monkeys, but any sort of simian. So apes, chimpanzees, uh, orangutans. That's how I pronounce them. Because that's what it looks like to me. You pronounce it wrong, Atong? I pronounce it incorrectly, Atong. I can pun too. Yeah, you can. Pun with the best of them. Anyhow, these are any movies that feature a monkey. So it doesn't have to have monkey in the title, just anyone that features a monkey. And how we'll do it is we'll count down our top three from number three to number one. Now, if somebody mentions a movie that you have higher in your rankings than they do, Trump. Then you yell Trump, and we will wait until you talk about it uh, to do it. Uh, that that way, whoever has it ranked highest gets to kind of start the discussion. And then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end as well. So makes makes sense, Barrett? You understand how that's working? Yep, got it. All right, cool. Aaron, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start us this week. Uh, number three monkey movie on my list. It is... Kong Skull Island. No, I'm just kidding. It is King. Uh, it is the 2005 King Kong, which I really enjoyed a little more than most people did. Oh, okay. uh, Peter Jackson's King mm-hmm. Kong uh, had a great time with it for many of the reasons that I enjoyed this one as well. I think the creature fights in it are great. I think Andy Serkis is great in that movie. Um, so, yeah, I had a really good time with it, and I think it's a nice reimagining of the original King Kong, which that's a remake I can get behind because when you look at a movie like that and how technology has changed, it makes sense to go, hey, let's tell this story with new technology and you know because the original what year was the original was it 33 33 yeah so you know um and by the way the effects of 41933 in that movie are pretty great but yep. um but yeah but I, I really like the 2005 version so it comes in at my number three awesome Barrett, what's your number three? So mine doesn't prominently feature monkeys but it does uh, towards the beginning and I'm a sucker for any sort of outbreak type of movie, mm-hmm. uh, and those usually somehow start with a uh, with a monkey, and it's 28 Days Later. Oh, oh. I thought you were actually going to talk about Outbreak for a second. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's an interesting addition to it, uh, too. But uh, 28 Days Later, I think, gets everything right about a horror movie, a zombie movie, a virus movie, um, suspense, I loved every second of that. Uh, it's it's just cool seeing a gifted director like Danny Boyle be able to genre hop as much as he has, and yeah. So that's that's my pick. Not a not a monkey centric movie, but it is monkey adjacent. We will allow it. Yeah. What do you got, Andrew? So my number three isn't a good movie, <laughs> but. It's a movie that I've watched since I was a kid that just makes me smile every single time I watch it, and that is Every Which Way But Loose. Nice. I mean, <laughs> you have Clint Eastwood bare-knuckle fighting Nazi bikers with a orangutan named Clyde. I mean, that's American right there. You meant orangutan. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> orangutan. Uh, the movie, it's just, it's so silly, and seeing Clint Eastwood playing that kind of a character is just so fun. I 
I can't help but smile every single time I watch it. Have you watched it with your adult eyes? Like, have I you have. watched it recently? I have. So, does it stand up at all? Like, do you see like the flaws in it now that you didn't when you were a kid, or how's that whole process? Because it's different with different movies, right? It's like, very I've, true. Yeah, I've had different experiences. It's like that's what I meant whenever I said it's not a good movie. Whenever I was a kid, I th- thought the movie was a great. Like, Best he's movie got, ever. He, he's yeah. got a monkey. It's funny, but seeing it again, I'm like man, half of this doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> But just seeing how dumb it is, just I can't help but smile. Like even halfway through, it just makes me happy. There you go. It's one of the highest grossing Clint Eastwood films. Is it really? Wow. wow. Yeah. It's this, uh, and then he had a sequel. Um, every which, which way, way you can, or every something which like way you that. can. Yeah. Which I didn't see that yeah. one because I didn't want to taint my. Every which way but loose. <laughs> you don't want to taint that monkey movie. <laughs> You know, it's just not the same ever since I saw the sequel, man. <laughs> um, I have a uh, a lesser-known Clint Eastwood recommendation. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Kevin Costner in A Perfect World. If you never got a chance oh, to, yeah. to see it, I really enjoy that movie. So I'd I, I recommend, recommend that one. All right, moving on to number two. What do you know? I'm, you, I got it. Yeah. You. My number two is Jungle Book 1967, the original Jungle Book. Mm, King Louie. Nice. Um, I I have, in, much like you, this is a childhood nostalgia thing. Yeah. And I did watch it recently, and for the most part, I think it really holds up. The only thing that doesn't hold up to me in that movie is the um, the overall plot and story is a little all over the place like it looks like a movie that was made to tie fun songs together not a movie that was made to necessarily tell a story in fact it ends with a weird like he goes off after like an island girl like and all of a sudden like wait was this was this like a romance movie like how like how did that wasn't even in the point of the movie other than he's trying to find his own people but I don't know. It was just against his own will until <clears throat> he hits puberty in the last three minutes of the movie. Right. Then... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but I still really enjoy it. I love the music in it. Unlike the new Jungle Book, which I really enjoyed, but didn't want the music in it. I thought the music distracted from the new Jungle Book. But, totally agree. Um, so that's my number two. What about you, Barrett? So I'm going from a non-monkey centric uh, movie to a very monkey centric movie, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Nice. Very good. These uh, this reimagining of this as, after I you know railed against uh, unoriginality uh, this reimagining of the Planet of the Apes story as an origin story rather than a kind of uh, mind messing with your mind time loop type of thing in the original Planet of the Apes uh, is very interesting to me and this is one hundred percent what Aaron was just saying that the technology now versus the nineteen sixty eight you know, version, even though those effects hold up quite a bit, um, you know, this, this is just really taking it up a notch. And this entry has the two greatest mocap actors out there right now, Tony Kebbell and uh, Andy Serkis facing off. And it's really, really well done. A little bit too long. Uh, the human portion of it is, is, you know, not necessarily essential, uh, but the uh, but a lot of this stuff is really really good. Um, we're just all completely pretending like the Marky Mark Planet of the Apes movie never happened. The right? Tim Burton one. Yeah, we're just we're all. <laughs> That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. We're just yeah. pretending like that that just doesn't exist. Super bad. Yeah. My number two. Yeah, go for it. We talked about it earlier. The 1933 King Kong. 
Nice. That's not. It's, I mean, that's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just have fond memories of whenever I was a kid. My grandma, she used to record on her VCR a lot of like old Turner classic movies for me. And the first one she ever got me was uh, 1933 King Kong. So I remember watching that with her. And like you said, looking back on it now with like a cinematic eye and picking up stuff, the graphics and like the effects that they did in that movie are groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. The way they did all that, I can't imagine. That was how Harryhausen long, stuff, right? Like, yeah, that old yeah. stop motion. Yeah, I can't imagine how long that movie took to make. It's fascinating, and you know what? It's actually a good movie. I mean, look how many sequels and spinoffs they've done off of this one character. I mean, he's one of the most infamous movie characters of all time and it all started with this movie here yeah so yeah. i think it was beauty that killed the beast yeah that's uh and i think it, it they ranked that as like top 20 uh most quotable lines yeah so so good wow nobody trumped anybody's numbers that's great mm. we get to our number one Go we, may ahead. Have, we may have nine different movies on our top on our our list probably not uh my number one is 12 monkeys i had a feeling uh nice. i i love Time travel is tricky, right? And I get really distracted by time contradictions. And it's one of the reasons I love the 12 Monkeys so much is I feel like it gets time travel in a way where there aren't contradictions. In other words, it understands time travel as something that cannot change anything, you know? And I I find the way that it presents that fascinating. I find Brad Pitt's performance in it mesmerizing. Oscar um, nomination. Yeah, I think he did get nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy 12 Monkeys. It's it's one of my all-time faves. So Nice. That's my number one. It's great. I love that movie a lot. Terry Gilliam doing a time travel story is just like... It's that, beautiful. That's, that's my sweet spot right there. Yeah. My number one is a... Uh, it's, it's got a prominent amount of monkeys in it. Chimpanzees, to be exact. Uh, it's 1952's Monkey Business. Nice. This is uh, Cary Grant, Ginger Rogers, Marilyn Monroe. It's a really charming, old, fun movie uh, about a pharmaceutical company or a research and development company um, essentially finding the uh, restorative powers of youth uh, via chimpanzee. Um, And as they go through it, uh, each of the characters, um, if they drink this water, they become, you know, their childish selves. And uh, seeing Cary Grant at peak Cary Grant. He's the best. He is. He's so good. Oh, man. Everybody dresses really nicely in this movie. (laughs) Uh, Everybody is just charming. Marilyn Monroe, this is probably one of my favorite performances from her. Um, She's, especially when when everybody gets into their own different, like, childlike state. Like, one of them, I think, uh, is like a prankster. And one of them is just more of, like, you know, happy-go-lucky. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's really interesting to see that dynamic with these really amazing classic actors. So it's it's definitely worth a look. Very nice. All right, Andrew, finish us off. Do we do we get nine new ones? Congo. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Barrett mentioned uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. My number one is Rise of the Planet I of the Apes. I wondered if that might be mm-hmm. it for you. Yeah, the origin story is something we'd never seen in this huge franchise. Yeah, and I thought that they nailed it. I mean, Caesar, Andy Serkis is one of the greats of all time, not only as like a stop motion, he is the best like motion capture artist mm-hmm. of all time, but he's a brilliant actor, and he only has two lines in this movie, every single, in both of those, I got chills mm-hmm. whenever he talked. It was 
haunting and it was heartbreaking in moments because yeah. Draco Malfoy was just rude and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's so good and you could definitely see how those animals became who they were in Dawn of the Planet Apes and is it War of the Planet Apes is the one coming up in a couple months? Sounds right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I this franchise is brilliant. This new reimagining of it is amazing. I don't think they could have done it better. I think I just I just thought of this. I think Dawn of the Planet or Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, did for the original Planet of the Apes what Fear the Walking Dead should have done for the Walking Dead. You know, where Fear the Walking Dead failed because it immediately became exactly like the it Walking Dead. Should have Dead. been the origin of it. It should have really lingered on the origin story stuff. Like these, you know, Planet of the Apes movies do. So that's yeah. you know that's one example of where they kind of got it right. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that for sure. I definitely had them in my honorable mentions. Uh, so there we go. Uh, any others you wanted to throw out there? I have a couple honorable mentions. Dude, I will mention Congo. I'll go ahead and mention Congo. <laughs> Whenever I was a kid, the movie was a lot of fun. Watching it now, it's terrible. Yeah. But if you're a kid and you want to watch a fun movie, go watch Congo. <laughs> the one the one I kind of have in that realm is Mighty <laughs> Joe Young. Did you see ever ever see Mighty Joe Young? I saw both Mighty Joe Young. So the, the original with, the, and... The, the one with Charlize is the one I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, I also would give a shout out to the Disney Nature movies that have monkeys in them, specifically Monkey Kingdom and Chimpanzee. Chimpanzee, yeah. Those are really good. And I love how Disney Nature crafts stories into the natural world. You know that they're making so much of it up, but at the same time, it just it really kind of gives you an idea of, you know, what what that is like for those animals. So I, I really enjoyed Monkey Kingdom and Chimpanzee. Mm, Any more? Yeah, guys? I would just say uh, you know, Curious George, uh, the when they re-released that a few years ago, I think it was 2005-ish, 2006, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was Will Ferrell as the man in the red, in the yellow hat mm-hmm. and had a terrific, it was just a, a really fun movie. It had a terrific soundtrack from Jack Johnson uh, that's worth just purchasing just as an album. It's a really good album from him, but it was associated with this movie, so that's, that's worth a shot. Uh, nobody mentioned Matthew Broderick and Project X. Yeah, so I'm trying to one. think of a uh, maybe Disney's Tarzan. Uh, okay, I didn't think Tarzan was that great. It's one of the lesser Disney films in my mind. Yeah, but it turns out there's not that many great monkey movies, so <laughs> I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. So. The only other one I would mention, maybe we'll just finish with this original Planet of the Apes. Uh, I mean, I actually they're I don't know. I mean, they are what they they're classics because of their I think because of the concept. They're classics because of the concept and the twist, and uh, as movies, I don't know that they're all that great. Um, You know, Heston's Heston, but uh, other than that. But the other one I would mention uh, is a movie I really do enjoy, but I don't think you'd ever put it in your, like, greatest movies ever list. George of the Jungle. Is George of the Jungle. No. (laughs) I knew it. No, no. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I also don't know that you would initially think of it as a monkey movie, but a monkey does play a a, a decent role in it. John Cleese. (laughs) Not Night at the Museum. Uh, would be the the only other one I would mention. Oh, those so. movies are so bad. Mm-hmm. Really? I hate them so much. Oh, man. What, who hurt you? Let's uh, <laughs> start with uh, Ben Stiller. And, I love Ben Stiller. <laughs> I think Ben's great. Well, you always watch a little Mystery Men or something like that, you know? No, I'm talking about this movie in particular. Oh, that one in particular. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's our monkey movie roundup. Hey, no, I think that, is that the first time we've ever not trumped somebody or? Yeah, no, that's a first. Wow. Nine different movies on our all our top threes. Wow. So cool. Just, just got to go a little bit abstract. Well done, gentlemen. That. Yes. We deserve a round of applause. 
Nicely done. <laughs> Before we finish out the podcast, uh, we like to do every week a little bit of buried treasure, something in the pop culture universe, uh, any place in the pop culture universe that you want to make sure and uh, let people know about. Andrew, why don't you start this one? I wouldn't be Andrew if I didn't talk about a video game. So the new video game that I'm playing right now is for the PlayStation 4. It is called Horizon Zero Dawn. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this because I've heard such great things. The game is fascinating. I absolutely love it. It's uh, a post-post-apocalyptic game. So humanity Because one is, post just wasn't enough. Yeah, it's like... There's so many games like Fallout where it's like a barren wasteland and stuff like that. This is like nature is reforming humanity, his reset to primitive times, except all the machines and robots that humanity made so many years ago are still around. So you have robots walking around that are stylized after animals. There's like robots that look kind of like giraffes or dinosaurs even, and you got to kill them to get their parts to help power your life and your civilization and stuff. There's surprisingly a good story there. The voice acting is great. It's super fun. Highly recommend it. Sounds, uh, sounds like it follows the same story as Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, Aaron. Why not? <laughs> you gotta go kill the animals that sounds to get awesome. parts, parts for your ship? That sounds, I don't know. It and sounds... it's also one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Uh, I have, this is not my, my buried treasure, but the People are already talking about Horizon Zero Dawn in Zelda Breath of the Wild as kind of the, you know, competitors already for Game of the Year kind of things. And I have been messing around with uh, Breath of the Wild a little bit, and it is absolutely mind-blowing. But it tastes terrible. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We did that on the recent podcast. We tasted uh, the cartridge. Yeah. Not a good thing. What about you, Barrett? What's your buried treasure? So this is a movie I just rewatched recently. Uh, It's from 1998, and it's Great Expectations. Mm. Um I don't hear a lot of people talk about this movie. Now, it wasn't hugely well-received, uh, has great acting in it, uh, great performances from Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow in particular, some of the best work I think they've done. And the director, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, went on to do Gravity, went on to do you know all these, these amazing films. Um, and I don't think he really gets the credit uh, for, for doing like a really pretty, beautiful movie um, with, uh, you know, of course it's a, it's a takeoff of the, uh, Dickens classic, uh, but it's almost unrecognizable from that. Uh, it, it could function as its own story. Uh, compelling characters, really interesting, great soundtrack. One of my favorite of the nineties and, uh, definitely worth checking out. Creepy cool. De Niro, creepy De Niro. Can be creepy De Niro. Um, I, for my buried treasure, am going with a a BBC show that got a lot of buzz during its first season, but it's just entering its third season, and I I don't know if people are uh, aware of it as much, but it's called Broadchurch, and it's David Tennant. I've heard about them. David Tennant, who you may know from uh, Doctor Who, uh, and then, you know, several other things as well, including uh, Jessica Jones, where he is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, he's really good in this mm. as well. It's one of the only things I've seen him in where he actually has his natural accent, which is uh, Scottish, I believe, either Scottish or Irish. I think he's it's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Um. And but he plays a police detective with another woman police detective. And the first season was this incredible whodunit story. It was so good. Very, very good. So you've seen the first season of Broad Church? I've seen 
first season and half of the second season. Okay, so did you get bored during the second season? It wasn't as good, I didn't think. Because it was more a court case. The second season was like a court case yeah. and still had some twists and turns to it, but I, I didn't enjoy the second season as much. Uh, about three episodes into the third season, and it feels much more like the first season. Really? So it's okay. another case. So they're solving this case, and there's just something about taking the... Because we all know the, the crime procedurals, you know, case a week kind of thing, like, you know... Every week in 45 minutes, they solve their case. This is case of season. This is case per season. And I like the feel of that so much better because it, you just you live in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they can reveal things in different ways. And I just think the structure of it really helps the the uh, how engaging it is. So Plus, I love David Tennant. So yeah. I just let people know that the third season seems like uh, doing pretty good. I think what made that first season so magical was the fact that it took place in such a small town that everything seemed a lot more personal because everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And you, you were like, oh, it's them. Oh, it's them. Yeah, I know it's... No, it can't be them. So it was, Yeah, it's a great whodunit. Exactly. I'm hoping this third season is just as great a whodunit. It takes place in the same community. Okay. So, you know, it is that small community kind of thing, and you're getting to know a few other people in that community. But there are some of the people that you know from the first two seasons as well. Fantastic. Yep, that's mine. So, have, did you ever see any Broadchurch, Barrett? No, but that's one of the, the ones that's on my list, um, particularly because of David Tennant. Like, I, I really dig his stuff. He mentioned Jessica Jones. He is all awesome in that yeah so terrifying he's, he's also great in what was the what was the horror remake he didn't um was in he was in uh uh not friday night fright night fright night fright, fright night. night yeah yes um yeah he makes that movie too uh and it's not like a makes great it tolerable it's not like an oscar-winning movie but um but uh, yeah i enjoyed it because tenet was in it. i always love what he does we did it guys Woo! Huzzah. we did a podcast All right. podcasting has happened Thank you so much for joining us for Sif Pop today. Very much appreciate you being here. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows of uh, on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru. It's Barrett Share from the Syncast and Music Video Sins. Thank you, guys. Uh, feel free to plug away, my friend. Where do you want to send people? Yeah, uh, to uh, check out our videos, go to YouTube.com slash CinemaSins or YouTube.com slash Music Video sins and for our podcast the sincast uh you can search your uh whatever your podcasting platform is soundcloud itunes um pocket potter potterific <laughs> po- uh, any sort of pod pun that i'm sure has been co-opted into a site uh, we're on there uh spotify too so yeah just search for sincast we uh post our episodes every Monday and we have many pods for some reviews uh, as we see fit. Basically, whenever we all see a movie together, we say, all right, well, let's do a mini pod. You've been on a streak with those recently. You yeah. had one up for uh, Get Out and for Logan, so you guys have yeah. been getting a few more of those up. Well, it was it was cool to have two really good movies in a row, too. <laughs> we said, all right, well, this is worth doing. Well, you mean three, now that Kong Skull Island's out. Three great movies in a row. Yeah. And oh, come on, come on. <laughs> come on now. Much love and gratitude as well to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. There are a lot of ways to connect with the podcast. If you want to leave a comment, you can do it at SoundCloud. You can tweet at us. 
Uh, I'm at Aaron Dicer. Uh, Andrew is at Flick Freaks. C, cornballer. Uh, you can also email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time and you know that your movie-loving friends would enjoy it as well, make sure you let them know. Share the love. Uh, they don't even have to fly through a 50-mile lightning hurricane to listen. So they can find it anywhere, anytime, and we would love to have them aboard. Uh, we'll be getting into spoiler chats for our next episode. So if you did see the movie, you want to stay tuned for that. We would love to see you there. Thanks again, Barrett. Thanks again, Andrew. And we'll see you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.